0: connected parents and welcome to another episode of connected parenting in today's episode we are going to explore the teenagers messy room i promised a podcast on this and it's it's a much bigger issue for teenagers so we will dive into that i will give you some strategies that i think will be really helpful for you and for your teens and we will see if we can help with the teenagers messy room Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. All right. So a few things to understand. And I mentioned this in my podcast about little kids in their messy rooms. This is especially true for teenagers, their room. And you'll see around 12 or 13, they start to retreat into their room. Your childhood was out and following you around and sitting on your lap and wanting to show you everything starts to slowly retreat into their room. And there's a, a sort of going inward. There's a a collapsing inward that happens for teenagers before they come back out into the world and i want you to think of that as a time where they're sort of rooting and gathering themselves and figuring out who they want to be in the world so you will see them spend a lot more time in their room and often they will spend time in their room with you know window blinds closed and the lights kind of off and we don't get it at all as adults, it just seems suffocating and awful, but I have a lot of teenagers who say to me, it feels very soothing. It feels very comfortable. It feels very safe. The world feels big and overwhelming and scary. And when they go into their rooms and it's very quiet and it's very kind of dark, they feel like they can shut the world out a little bit and there's less um, activity and less stimulation for them to deal with. So this is something you will see a lot of 13, 14, 15, even into 16. um, And then you'll see them start to come out a little bit. So the room becomes a bit of a mini universe for them. It's also the only place in the world that is really theirs. It's the only space that really is completely their private universe. And they get very protective of that space. And they get really offended if you go in and you move things or you touch things. They feel. Um, that that's very invasive and that their privacy has been invaded. And it's something we really have to think about. And sometimes that shift happens and we're not quite aware of it. You know, They didn't care about it a few months before. And all of a sudden you've deeply offended them by going in and taking all the towels off the floor. Um, it's something that's worth having a conversation about, talking to your teenager about what their room means to them and helping them set boundaries around that. And then you setting boundaries around that. Like it's okay for you to have that space and have your room. But when there's things in there that affect other people, if you've got all the plates, if you have all the spoons, if you have all the cups or all the towels on the floor, that's a problem. So things that belong to the rest of the household um, are things they need to take care of in their room. So this is a tough one because for people who tend to be you know, more on the neat side and they like things orderly and it absolutely drives them crazy that their child's room is a nightmare. Um, this can be a really challenging thing for you emotionally. So I'll kind of talk about things you can do to address that. But my recommendation is to have the following boundaries around your teenager's room. They're doors for a reason, doors close, let them have that space to, keep it for the most part, the way that they want, with the exception of anything that belongs to the community, anything that belongs to the household. So plates and cups and towels, things like that, Um, not having food rotting in the room, like anything that could attract bugs or mice that would affect the rest of the household. So you really kind of set those boundaries with them. Other than that, my recommendation is to kind of leave them for a little while. They will, it's funny, I'll I'll admit this. I, when I was a teenager, my room was atrocious. I, mean, I literally remember my phone would be ringing and I'd have to follow the cord because there was so much stuff in the way. And I remember my parents being so upset. My dad actually made a fake um, health advisory on the door and I would clean it up and then it would just get messy again. And the truth is I'm, I'm a pretty big neat freak now. Like I like my house a certain way. I'm always cleaning up. I'm always tidying. And that happened as soon as I got my own space. When I was a young adult, I just I didn't turn into this person that had a completely messy room. So one of the things that people worry about when their kids are messy is they're not going to have any skills as an adult that because they have a messy room as a teenager, they won't have a clue how to keep a house tidy or take care of things as they get older in general, that's not really true. I mean, sometimes it's true if someone has like really significant ADHD or if they're, you know, really big um, avoiders or if your child has, you know significant mental health issues they just, the idea of cleaning and taking care of stuff is just not possible. And that's a bit of a different conversation um, but I want to kind of help you feel a little bit better. There, there isn't a huge correlation between a messy room as a teenager and, and having a disaster as a household in terms of cleanliness when you're older. Having said that, though, there really are patterns that are really good for young people to exercise that will help make that transition easier and will certainly help if they're, you know, a roommate in college that can cause, you know, huge problems if your child is an absolute disaster when it comes to keeping things clean, but so that's, that's kind of the sort of bigger picture to keep in mind. What does the room represent for your teen? And to have that conversation with your teen and then to set boundaries around, I will respect your space, but here are the things that belong to the rest of the household that affect the rest of us that absolutely needed to be abided by or there are you know consequences, which we can talk about in a second. All right, the other thing is, and try to have this conversation not in one big sit down. If your kid's interested, you can. If they're not just try to sort of drop these little things, but there's a few things that are really important to know. There's two types of mess. There's mess in motion. So this is they're working on a project and there's, you know I don't know, markers and papers and things all over the room. That's mess in motion. They're, um, I don't know, painting a bookshelf or they're attacking a big project in their room and there's kind of stuff all over the place. That is mess in motion. And then there's mess in stasis. This, this is, these are things like garbage and plates with food on them and dirty laundry that's sitting in the middle of the floor or wet towels that are sitting on the carpet. That's, that's mess in stasis. Now this may be hard for your teenager to understand, but the subconscious mind pays attention to mess in stasis. It doesn't mind mess in motion because it energetically knows that that's something that's in process but stepping over dirty laundry and you know having to move things off your desk that are you know i don't know garbage or papers your teenager will tell you i don't care that stuff doesn't bother me i know where everything is it doesn't bother me but the subconscious mind is actually quite affected by that clutter and by that mess and by that heaviness there's an um it sounds so ridiculous but there's there are messages to the brain when there's stuff that's not being attended to that kind of sticks. And it it sort of, I don't know, for lack of a better word, it kind of gums up the psyche. So even though they're not really paying attention to it, subconsciously they are. And there's this constant message of, you still haven't dealt with this. That's still in the way. And now this is in the way. And it's this kind of heavy... um process that kind of builds on itself and teenagers won't realize this until their room is clean and then they walk in and they're like oh 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 my god this feels so different so have that conversation so if there's a purpose and it's mess in motion they're working on something they're in the middle of something they're they're going to do something in a couple of days then mess in motion is actually okay mess in stasis is actually going to be a problem for them. And it will add to some of the worries and the stress that they already carry around as a teenager. So similar to the podcast where I talked about little kids in messy rooms, there's a few things that can really help. Having a couple of trays, go to the dollar store, or dig through your house and have trays, cups, fleets, um, anything that goes back down into the kitchen, you know, staplers or Tape or things that they're borrowing that need to go back into your office, put them on trays. Have your teenager just stuff them on a tray. That will turn mess in stasis into mess in motion because that tray at some point is going to be taken downstairs, which we can talk about in a second. So having trays, hugely helpful. For teenagers, having big laundry baskets, like a couple of them. I know they're not so beautiful (laughs) or they're kind of unsightly, but they're better than a giant pile of clothes in the middle of the floor. So clothes that get thrown back into the dirty laundry, those baskets can be quite big and that can be helpful. Having a laundry basket on the floor, this is a a step system where let's say your teenager tries something on and they don't like it, but they're not gonna hang it back up because they gotta try on 15 more things before they get ready to go. Those things can go back in the try on basket. And then later, all they have to do is fold that and put that away but you're still keeping it off the floor. You're still keeping that openness, which will be better for the brain. So really having a good use of of baskets can help a lot. Um, Have a time where you want them to clean. And what that looks like is just bringing the mess in stasis out of the room, towels, bringing that tray down needs to happen. And then it's not such an overwhelming task that you're asking of them. It's much simpler. It's a couple of steps instead of a bunch of steps. Um, And then if they'll let you when that's done and don't be all corny about it, just be like, take a second and think about how good it feels to have accomplished that task. Just tune in with your body about that. And don't say anything else about it. Just walk away. Just drop that little piece of information. Um, Give your teenager a timeline. Don't say to them, go clean your room right now. It won't happen. Say to them in the next four hours or by Sunday afternoon or you know, in a couple of days, this needs to be done. You've got to widen that window. They will probably do it at the very end of that window, but make sure you're giving them a timeline to follow up on. Um, what you can do is if, and I promise that I would talk about this. If you're someone where you really cannot stand this, like it just emotionally makes you absolutely crazy, then at least have a bigger window when the room needs to be clean and then there's a consequence if the room is not clean. So again, you know, your phone, their, their phone or uh, driving them places are privileges and keeping a sort of minimum tidy room, if that's something you're asking, then that doesn't happen until they complete their task. So I will not be driving you to X until you've you know, done the minimum tasks in your room or I'm holding onto your phone until that task gets done. And then you give them the phone back. And if it takes them a day or half a day or whatever, try not to fight about it. Try not to be angry. This is a pre-contract that you've set up. And then just hand the phone back to them when it's done. Don't do, aren't you glad you did that? And then next time you'll have your phone. Don't do any of that. Just awesome. Done. Fantastic. Here's your phone. Keep it as neutral as you possibly can Um, and these things should actually help it. It is an ongoing thing, the teenage room, and it really is, um, in many ways, representative of how they're feeling and some of the darker, heavier things that teenagers tend to deal with. So try to keep that in mind. Um, try to tune into your inner teenager and remember what it was like to have your room and how you uh, like to keep your your room. If you were a neat freak, that's not going to help you. But if you're messy, like I was, it will. Um, I hope this is helpful um, please go to connectedparenting.com. I, you know, there's all kinds of information there on how we can help you on our, on your parenting journey. We have a whole team of connected parenting therapists and practitioners that practice all over the world. And also in person, my books are on there. Um, there's all kinds of courses that are on there. Um, if you're interested in becoming a connected parenting practitioner, there's uh, information on my website about, um, how to become a connected parenting practitioner. There's so much to learn on this connected parenting journey, and we are committed to making this as easy for you as possible. So we will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.